0: The culture of your home is the incubator of character. You are the only mother that your child has. You're the only father that your child has. You're the only person who can be you in their life. And you have a lot to offer. Isn't the goal of parenting, not that we have these 42-year-olds who are still coming home on time and cleaning their rooms, but that they actually leave and we have hardwired them for the virtues that we want to see in them. The thing we all have in common is that we are interested in our kids' future. I know the Parent Network exists to help moms and dads in whatever way you can, when you can, and how you can help moms and dads help their children have the future that God's promised them. Well, hello and welcome to the Parent Network Podcast, episode 69. I'm Sass, and I'm here with Karin.
1: Hello, everyone.
0: And we are glad that you guys are joining us. And we are kind of in this um, in this season where we are taking uh, the sermon series that we're having at church, and we're looking at it through the lens of parenting. We just finished that with our Enough is Enough series, uh, where we actually were able to do four podcasts, where we actually interviewed a few other parents along the way. If you want to go listen to those, uh, those were great. And we're stepping into it again for this next series. We're not doing all four weeks, but we're going to do uh, two episodes, uh, one today after our first two uh, sermons and then uh, one at the very end. And so, Karn, why don't you uh, take everybody into what it is that we're talking about here uh, today?
1: Um, well, Mike's n- n- most recent sermon series, the one that we're in right now, is called DTR, a different rule for relating. Um, and for those of us, who are old school. When we hear DTR, DTR, we think define the relationship in terms of dating relationships.
0: Should we tell the story about like our first DTR?
1: <laughs> we should. We should. I'm going to throw myself oh my under
0: the bus this here in a funny. big way, but this is kind of sure. Funny. Real quick.
1: So, um, Sass and I had known each other since high school. We had mutual friends. We weren't very close. Um, But we had a lot of mutual friends. So we'd known each other forever. And um, years after we'd graduated from college, uh, we found ourselves working together at a church. Um, And after working there for a couple of years, Sass asked me out. I finally saw the light. (laughs) And I said yes. Yes. And, you know, it's a little bit tricky. We're both working in student ministry. So it's a little bit tricky if you're all of a sudden dating your staff person uh, or Uh, Yeah, Uh, you were dating your boss. Yeah, and if it doesn't work out, then it could just have... It
0: was all going to just crumble. Right,
1: it could have some um, repercussions that a typical breakup might not have. But so, that being said, uh, we went out to dinner... Um
0: we had to go to another town. Yeah, we,
1: went, we lived in Raleigh at the time. So we went to Chapel Hill, which we both loved. Michael Jordan had a restaurant 23. there. Twenty three. That's right. Um but yeah, we didn't want to be seen by anybody no. on our first day because we didn't really know where this was going. And you know, typically you have your a DTR like I don't know
0: several months in. You would
1: think so. I don't know. So after dinner we went back, I think to um my townhouse complex and we were sitting outside on a, on a park bench or something or at the pool. We were at the pool, yeah. the pool. And um, so SAS kind of brings up the subject. Like maybe, you know, because of our circumstances, we should kind of talk about um, you know, where this relationship relationship might go. And so he kind of started by, Do you have anything that you want to say about that? And put, it, put the onus on me to start the conversation. <laughs> oh, I was like, What an uh, idiot. Nope, you can go first.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what an idiot I was. Hey, but it worked out. It did work out. <laughs> Somehow I mean, you like hung 19 around.
1: 19 years of marriage Isn't later. That crazy. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So, But yes. anyways, all, DTR. That to say, all that to say, that is not what this sermon series is about. It is not about <laughs> Sorry, defining, I just thought
0: that. I can't believe I threw myself under the bus, but anyway. It's
1: not about defining dating relationships. No, it's not. But it is about just the way that we relate with each other um, and the way that we relate with the world. And the first week of the sermon series, Mike really hit on community. And I love this definition of community. He says, community is the relational space in which God's love is exchanged, experienced, and expressed. And I think that's just a beautiful um, definition. And as I was listening to the sermon uh, last week, I was I was trying to listen to it a little bit through the lens of parenting, because I knew we'd be doing this podcast. And I thought, gosh, if, if anybody needs a community of people around them, I think it's parents. Mm-hmm. Um, because... A lot of times, we're not really sure what we're doing. A
0: lot of times, most times, right? Yes,
1: but we feel like we need to have our act together. But how important it is to have people that we can talk to about what we're going through as parents and try to get advice. It was crazy. Even this morning, um, I was walking my dog through the neighborhood, and uh, one of my neighbors was in her driveway, so I just stopped to say hello real quick. And you know, she asked how I was doing, and we were talking about how we couldn't wait for school to end. And then we kind of started talking about how difficult this year has been. And both of us have uh, one of our two Two children who just has really struggled with this remote learning and being motivated and you know it's just kind of talking about like sometimes I feel like I'm a bad parent and I don't know how to motivate and I don't know how hard to how hard to push and Sometimes I feel like all I'm doing is criticizing and urging, and I just was kind of just feeling crazy um, about it. And she was like, you are not alone, Karin. She goes, I think if we asked everybody on this street, everybody would have a, a similar story. And I don't know. I just felt a lot of relief after talking to her to be like, okay, I'm not in this alone. My child is not the only one struggling with this. I'm not the only parent struggling to figure out how to parent my child through this. So um, I don't know, Sass, if you found that community has been real important as a parent, too.
0: Oh, oh yeah, for sure. I mean, there are, are a group of guys that I kind of talk to often uh, in parenting, and um, one of them has kids several years older, and so it's kind of good to bounce ideas off of each other, and just to be honest. And so, yeah, I think community is so important when it comes to parenting. But I also think, you know, when I hear that uh, that kind of definition, community is the relational space through which God's love is exchanged experienced and expressed. We don't always get this right, but that's what I want our family to look like. Um, I mean, I would love for our family to be able to pl- to be a place um, where, you know, it's not just life is exchanged and things happen and we have to manage schedules and events and all that kind of stuff. What What I think both of us really want is for God's love to be exchanged, experienced, and expressed. And I think the where the pressure comes in for me is that starts with us Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) as parents. Cause our kids aren't naturally going to say, Hey, this is a space where we're going to exchange and express and experience God's love. They're just trying to navigate, you know, for our kids, teenage life. And for a lot of parents, you know, younger kids, uh, life. And so it's just, it's hard for us to sort of stay focused on that's the purpose of our family community. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's what I would encourage, you know, all of us as parents to think through is, is this is the place where God's love has to work through me first (laughs) and I have to embrace it um, as a child of God and I have to feel it. And then the goal in this unit is not to make sure the trains are all going on time and that, you know, everybody sort of stays safe. The goal is to exchange experience and express God's love.
1: That's right. That's right. It's
0: powerful if we can actually do that.
1: Right. And I think, you know, part of that, um, Part of that is making sure that we show grace to our kids. I mean, this is a reminder to me during this time um, when I can get very frustrated is that I've got, A, to give grace to myself, but B, really to show grace to our kids and that, I mean, it is also our job to disciple them, but it's all in the way and in the tone in which we do it that hopefully that they are seeing God's love through us in the way that we love them. And obviously, we don't do that perfectly, but I think you're right. It's just something that we want to try to keep on the forefront of our minds as we go through our parenting process.
0: Yeah, one of the scriptures that Mike read was Romans 15, 1 and 2. It says this, we who are strong, um, which isn't always us, but let's put ourselves there for a moment. Um, We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good to build them up. And so oftentimes, you know, I think we can try to please ourselves and try to um, kind of uh, own things ourselves when in reality, we got to, you know, make sure we're trying to build our kids up. That's kind of the, you know, what I really get from that verse right there. And he also said, um, you know, relationships are the way in which we see ourselves connected to one another. The way in which we see ourselves connected to one another. And again, like what what I get from that is my relationship with you, my relationship with my kids is not kind of just uh, a, a function of practical life there's something sort of much mm. deeper there right there there's got to be a connection um, that goes beyond let's just accomplish things <laughs> and go kind of in uh, the same direction we got to share ourselves with each other we got to make sure that we're you know doing everything we can to sort of be connected to one another so um, that's kind of what both of us got. Out of the first week, we're going to have a little bit more to say about the second week, which was just yesterday. Card, anything else for you from from week one? No? Okay. Uh, And we would encourage you to go back and and listen to the sermon, because uh, especially if you can listen to it through the lens of parenting, you're going to glean some other things for sure. And so in part two, uh, the title of it was See and Be Seen, and Mike had a couple of assumptions, and one of these um, I just really, really love. Uh, The assumption, number one, is that God's love is not only fully sufficient for human relationships, but it's the only foundation that is sufficient for the fullness of human expression. I'll read that again. God's love is not only su- fully sufficient for human relationships, but it's the only foundation sufficient for the fullness of human expression. And so t- to me, that goes back to what we were talking about a minute ago. God's love has to be kind of the, the foundation for everything. So we got a lot more to talk about with that. So Karin, what are a couple things that you got out of... Uh, this past week,
1: well, Mike definitely talked a lot about empathy, um, and and really trying to empathize with um, with others. And as I was thinking about this through um, the parenting lens, he one thing he said is that the first, we have to seek first to understand others. That when somebody disagrees with us. Um, one, we can see it as rejection, which may it may not be, but two, that also oftentimes we want to separate ourselves. And I think even sometimes with our kids, when we disagree with them, we just like want some space or to separate, which may be fine for a time, but ultimately we want to keep that connection strong. And he was saying that the first thing that we need to do is to, to seek first to understand and to first see in order to continue to build a trusted relationship um, and, ha- and just talking about the the utmost importance of trust. And I think even with our kids, that's so important. And, you know, we have kids that are now teenagers, and so we're starting to move from the, um, the stage of parenting where we can really almost make them do things um, to where we're now just more trying to be an influence. And so that trust is really important at this point. But I was also just thinking um, about... Like I said, we've got these teenagers, and what may seem dramatic or so important to them at this time, to us, can seem kind of trivial or not that big of a deal, and how it's important and in, sometimes instead of just um, writing it off or just m- trivializing it in front of them, it's important to maybe go back and remember what it was like to be a teenager Um, and to remember what what it felt like and in in order to be able to empathize with them so that when they're telling us something that they're going through and we're thinking, what in the world? Why are you so upset about something so little? We try to see it through their eyes so that we can empathize. And then I think um, we're better able to help them navigate through whatever they're going with, especially if they feel like we understand where they're coming from.
0: Yeah, because what they want from us in that moment is not necessarily for us to solve it. They want us to be in it with them. Mm They want, and you know, Mike uses terminology. They want connection, mm-hmm. and so, it, and and I'm super guilty of this, especially with one of our kids. If I um, sort of minimize what it is that they're going through, it breaks the connection, and I can feel that when I do it, because I get a response <laughs> that I know has broken the connection. What it says to to um, to our child, trying to be gender <laughs> neutral here, um, is that I, I'm not in it with them. And uh, and so that I lose that influence in in a big way.
1: Yeah, he said um, he kind of gave us a a recipe of how to to maybe to maybe do this. He said the first you listen, and then you validate their experience, even if it's maybe not where God wants them to be. you Validate that you understand where they're coming from. Um, and he said, and Mike said, people may not always remember what you say, but they always remember how you made them feel. And so I think that's the whole like active listening and kind of really being in it with them and just being patient uh through it and then pause and then you try to connect um and so i thought that was a good way to think about it even in when it comes to parenting
0: yeah and i think even if you have younger kids this is kind of super important because you know in in some ways um your younger kids need that connection mm-hmm. quicker <laughs> than maybe older kids do um that may or may not be true but that's just what i'm feeling right now and and but but i also think that um There's a tension for me. I don't always want to validate them. And I might be wrong in this. I'm I'm confessing it. I don't always want to validate them because I want them to be in a different place. Like I don't want this drama or this pain or whatever it is that's happening to them. I don't want them to get into a pattern of this always throwing them for a loop. So for me, when I minimize, I'm trying to normalize whatever pain it is, and that just may not be the right way to do it. I mean, I, like, there's just such a tension for me of, man, I want them to kind of grow up, if you will, and not let this thing throw you for a loop, because I know if you're 25 and things like this throw you for a loop, you're in big-time trouble, um, and I think we, we've all seen way too many adults who who get thrown for a loop by little things, but I got to figure out how to kind of make that connection and I, to validate.
1: Right. I think that you can validate that what they're going through is hard for them, right, and still right. with the same goal of helping them navigate through it because they will always be faced with difficult things and maybe even things that are more difficult than what they're going through right now. So you validate, yes, this is this is hard. But I you can it, do it. But you can do it. But you can do it. With especially with God's help. That's that right. God really can help you through anything. That that is the promise of God is that He's always with us. The promise is not that life is going to be perfect, but that He will be with us every step of the way, helping us navigate it, and that He does bring good and beauty out of even the most difficult and maybe even devastating things, that God is a God of redemption and figuring out how to really plant that seed of truth in them you know, even in the the smallest and the biggest of things or the the things to us that are small, but that are so big to them that we can still say, yeah, this is hard, but God can help you navigate through it.
0: Yeah, that's so good. So, um, you know, one of the things that we've already talked about that is certainly kind of a thread through all this is God's love being sufficient for the human experience. And the question that came to mind when I heard Mike kind of say that again this week is, do our kids feel like God's love is sufficient for their human experience? And if not, how do we as parents foster that a little bit more? Like, do do they know that God... I think our kids know that God loves them and that God's love is there, but do they need, in their mind, God's love plus their sports? God loves God's love plus their friends? God's love plus their other experiences or... Is God's love sufficient for their human experience?
1: I'm pretty sure it's God's love plus, yeah. because if I'm honest, most of the time I'm it's God's love plus. I mean, I know that yeah. God's love is sufficient, but I don't live like that. And sometimes I feel or I crave the others to, to add on to my self-worth or my purpose. And, and so it's hard, but you're right. That's something that we need to be aware of for ourselves and then aware of how we can teach our kids that truth as well.
0: Yeah, and and I would guess that the best way for us to teach our kids is to model it. And right. so, you know, the work does start in us first mm-hmm. to be able to to express to, to experience God's love ourselves before we can express it. Being I mean, back to what it means to kind of be a part of that community. And so, you know, if, if you're a parent and you are struggling to receive um, God's love yourself, it may be hard for your kids to um, to feel it. Uh, kind of from from, coming from you Mm -hmm. and so that's probably a you know a good place to start and so you know for all of us that that how we get there looks different (laughs) Uh, you're just going to have to kind of take some time and reflect on on making sure that God's love is sufficient for you and your human experience so that your kids can see that in you and when your kids see that in you and the what that does for you they're probably going to be drawn to that in kind of a big way
1: yeah for sure Another thing that um, that Mike talked about that I think is something that we ought to be thoughtful of in parenting. He says that in order to receive exception acceptance, excuse me, we feel we have to offer proof either by our performance or by pretending. Um, and I think that's something we need to be aware of in our families too. Sassy, so any thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, so I actually had a conversation with a, a high school student last night. We were at our final. Uh, ripple effect, which is our high school ministry here at church uh, for the school year, and just kind of happened to stumble into a conversation with a student and said, how are you doing? And they just started crying. And like the pressure to perform uh, on this person was just enormous. And I just kind of asked a few what I thought were kind of fun-like questions (laughs) to get into it. And uh, again, the, the floodgates just opened and there were just tears and tears and tears. And you could just see the weight um, on their shoulders. And so I think as parents, that starts at an early age. That did not start for this uh, teenager when they were you know, 16, like right now. That started six or seven years ago, for sure. And so I think as parents, we just have to be aware that that is sort of the world that our kids are living in, is they feel the pressure to perform in order to be accepted. And when they cannot live up to whatever that bar is, they have to pretend. And social media plays into that um, on both sides. And so as parents, we have to be aware of that and figure out how, how do we help them, A, feel appropriate pressure. Again, back to you know our kids and, and school and trying to make them uh, um, understand responsibilities and kind of how they're growing up. We have to help them feel appropriate pressure, but not soul-crushing pressure. That's what I told this, uh, this person is it looks to me like your soul is just being crushed, and they just looked at me and said, "Mm-hmm, that's it." And 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 it's interesting. This is not external pressure, necessarily. It's just sort of somehow pressure that has been um, heaped on them over the years that they have decided to wear. And so, as parents, we have to be aware that our kids are are right in the middle of that. They got to perform or they pretend, one or the other. That's
1: right. And I, I've seen that in my um, small group I lead. A, a group of junior girls and. Uh, you can see that they're also feeling the junior year, such a hard year. You're getting ready for college. You're, you're taking these high-level classes. And I know this isn't true of of, um, of all students or all teenagers, but there is a, a, a big amount of um, teenagers who are feeling this pressure of taking all of these college classes and getting good grades and working and... Um, And just almost like they feel this pressure to figure out their whole life, like what I do today is going to vastly affect my future. And, you know, typically that's not true, right? I mean, it it may alter it a little, but not not really. And so as parents, we need to be aware because sometimes it's not even the parents that are putting the pressure. It is like self-imposed or just from um, the culture around them. But I, it, it can be very soul- crushing, like Yeah, you said.
0: and, and it, what you described is exactly what was going on. I mean, they felt the pressure to figure out the rest of their life today, because this decision was going to lead to that one. I mean, and they articulated this that if, if I don't do this, then I can't do that, and I won't do this, and I won't get there." And, and the words that were used were, "I won't be able to accomplish this or that." And I'm like, wow, that's the, that's the pressure to perform that our kids are growing up in is they have to accomplish or there's somehow failure. And that is just kind of really painful. So as parents, we have to pay attention to that. So the, the last part we'll talk about today, um, and this was just a great phrase, uh, it kind of talked about what we're all looking for. And if we can kind of look at this through the lens of what our kids are looking for, I think it's really important for us as parents. But what we're all looking for is trusted, formative connections. Okay, what we're all looking for is trusted, formative connections connections. So Karen, when you hear that and you think about us as parents and you think about our kids, what hits you?
1: Um, I hope that that's what that's, I hope that's what we're forming with them. And I think we are. Um, but also it makes me so thankful for their small group leaders. And, you know, as parents, I think it's also important um, for us to try to help them have those trusted relationships outside of us can't remember the name of the speaker who came and spoke at a Parent Network um, event about filling your kids' stands. Mark
0: DeVries. You can find that talk back on our uh, Parent Network website if you want to go watch it. It was great. Stacking the Stands.
1: Stacking the Stands. Just like helping your kids find other adults in their lives that they can trust, that can point them... Um, towards Jesus, um, and so we're so thankful for this church starting in Treasure Island through tsunami and now ripple effect, the the leaders and the adults that have poured into our kids' lives, and I'm so thankful for this church. And so, parents out there listening, if you are a part of um, our community here at Port City or
0: any other community,
1: um, yeah, just know that they, that you know that w- there are there are volunteers and there are leaders here at. Um, at our church that, you know, can do that for your kids, that can pour into them through our children's ministry and student ministries.
0: Yeah. And I would say what, what if I could encourage you a little bit, what makes that even richer is when you as a parent try to step into those relationships with those adults as well. Like you, you be a cheerleader for the person that's cheering your kid on, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Encourage the people that are encouraging your kids. I mean, it's just really a beautiful picture when we can kind of be in that relationship because, Um, you know, trusted, formative connections, they can lead to community. And so even with a few of the folks who have poured into our kids over the years, you know, we've been able to develop community with them and their families. And it's just this beautiful kind of picture of the way the body of Christ kind of works together. So parents, I would encourage you to, if your child's in a small group or a Bible study or has some sort of significant leader in their life, you need to invest in that person Mm -hmm. and to encourage that person and build a relationship with that person, because you know you know to to coin an old phrase it does take a village and but you got to be active participant in that
1: that's right now as as uh, there are more and more vaccinations and we're starting to open up a little bit like have them over for dinner i yeah. mean how how fun is that when you're for even for your kids that their small group leader comes over and shares a meal with your family um it, it can be a really cool thing to do
0: yeah so,, uh, that's what we got for today. Hopefully, that was helpful to find the relationship. DTR is the series uh, that we're talking about at church. And, like I said, we're gonna have uh, one other podcast in a few weeks that we're gonna release. It'll be episode seventy where we'll talk about the last two weeks. We would encourage you to go back and uh, listen to any and all of our previous parent network podcasts, but certainly um the last two um, the last series that we did, enough is enough parenting, and then follow along in the series here at church where you can kind of just be getting more and more formation yourself to where you're growing in God's love and you're learning how to share and express that. If you want to get more uh, information or resources, you can go to pc3parents.org. We have a resources page there. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at PC3Parents, as well as find us on Facebook, uh, PC3Parents. Thanks for listening to the Parent Network Podcast, and we will talk to you again next time.